famous athlete. And then he went to fight in World War II. While he was in World War II, he was captured, became prisoner of war. And his story is told in a book entitled Unbroken, which was also made into a movie. I don't know, you may have read the book or you may have seen the movie, but it's, it's a fascinating story as he recounts what it was like to live for a long period of time as a prisoner of war with the Japanese. And one of the things that's detailed in that book is how the Japanese decided to try to make use of the POWs. And so they put them to labor, loading cargo and, and all these different tasks. And so Louis Zafferini describes this group of fellow POWs who are uh, busy at work because uh, the other option was to be shot or beaten. And so therefore they, they do what they're told to do at, at least on a surface level. But in the midst of loading equipment and all these different things, they, they very carefully look for opportunities to sabotage. And so they take pieces off of equipment and discard it and they uh, put different things in areas that will cause mechanical failure. And so all along the way, while to the unobservant eye, they, they appear to be in cooperation and doing what they're supposed to do, they're behind the scenes doing whatever they can to sabotage the Japanese and to rebel against them. It's the thing about Lewis, I, I think there's a lot of people today in churches all across America that in many ways you're doing the same thing. They, they, they don't want to go to hell. Yet at the same time, they're not really interested in surrendering their whole life to whatever the Lord would have them to do. And so on a service level, it, it appears that they're in cooperation. They, they show up, they, they, they do the minimal things asked to do. But like those POWs in Japan, they're, they're, they're not fully surrendered. They're not fully surrendered. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's about reaching the point in our life that we are completely surrendered to the Lord. So then instead of doing the bare minimum or being motivated by fear or guilt, that our whole heart might be willing to do whatever he wants us to do, wherever he wants us to do it. You see, to, to surrender means to give up control. That's what it means to surrender. It means to stop fighting against and to completely give up control and submit. And before we come to Christ, there's a time in our life where our passions are what dictates what we do. And whether we ever realize it or not, as we pursue our own evil passions, we are fighting against the Lord and his, his work, and his work in our life and the work that he wants to do through us and through the church. And when we come to put our faith in Christ, it involves a complete surrender to now, instead of doing whatever we want to do, we say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? And this involves calling and vocation. It involves personal character and morality. And so when we think about what does it mean to surrender? Well, first it means, uh, Lord, uh, where, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? The prophet Isaiah, here's what he said. He said, here am I, send me. Now, I know that everybody has a different calling. Not everybody's called to be a missionary, and that's not the point of my message today. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. 
And if you're not called, you just need to run from it as far as you can. And the, word, the last thing we need is people on the mission field who aren't called to be missionaries or people in pulpits who aren't called to preach. But you do have a calling. And you don't get to select it. And you don't necessarily know in advance what it's going to be. But as you yield to the Lord and you say, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? He begins to show you what he's going to do with your life. So maybe you're thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I mean, there's, there's some things I would do for the Lord. And, and that's, that's the answer of a person that is partially surrendered. Partially surrendered. You see, if there's some area that you say, well, you know, I mean, I, I would do this, but now if the Lord called me to that, that would just be, that would be too much. You're not, you're not fully surrendered to the Lord. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to talk to some of my neighbors about the gospel, but I'm not going to go on a mission trip. I'm not going to go into mission. I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be willing to go somewhere different. I mean, I've always lived here. It's my home. There's an area in your life that you've not surrendered. Now you say, you know, Pastor, I mean, I'm willing to be faithful to my wife. I'm willing to tithe, but I, there's this other sin that I just don't want to deal with. And if I've already dealt with these sins, that should be enough. And then there's an area of your life that's, that's not surrendered. And so when it comes to following Christ, he's calling us to just a total surrender. So we say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And what do you want me to do? It, it may be that the Lord's going to call you to work with young people. And some of you, I know you would say, well, I hate young people. that's got nothing to do with it 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 really doesn't it it just really doesn't when when god puts a a burden and that's usually where a calling begins it begins with a burden you often see a need that's unmet and you realize somebody needs to do that and then you start praying lord send somebody to do that and and then oftentimes there's this crisis moment that you realize that he is going to answer the prayer through you that's how a call often begins it begins with a burden that we begin to pray about and then God calls us into an area and some people God has called to, to, to hospitality there's a lady in my church in, in Atlanta that her and her husband didn't have any children and uh, had the greatest ministry of hospitality I've ever seen that's all they thought about was how to make new people feel welcome they had people into their home they had refreshments after church every Sunday and they were constantly if you were to visit that church today the first thing that would happen is you would get an invitation to reception and you probably get an invitation to lunch and uh, just hospitality some people are called to that some people are called to teach and some people are called to work with young people now there's some things that all of us are called to and that has to do with God's holy character and the life that he's calling us to live but we got to get to the point in our life that we say lord you know i mean i don't even need to know you just wherever you're going to send me i'll go remember uh, abraham when he set out he didn't know where he was going when god spoke to moses in the burning bush hey he didn't realize everything that god was going to do in his life Uh, surrender comes before details with the lord we see that all throughout scripture and so in the passage we're looking at today where Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he was calling them to this, 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 this complete and total surrender of their life to follow, it's Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And so today we're going to 
look at beginning at verse 23 and, and read through verse 27. So I want to ask you, would you just join me in standing as we look at this passage together? Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we've seen your kingdom come. And I pray that you would reign completely in our hearts as we surrender to whatever you might call us to give up or take on. May we be your faithful people every day. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. So it, it appears that Jesus is talking to people who, who want to follow. And that's good. And I suspect that most of us gathered on a Sunday morning, uh, gathered together because we want to follow the Lord. And so if we want to follow, this is what it looks like. First, it involves denial. He said, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Uh, following Christ means no longer following ourselves. And so there's things in our life that we're going to have to deny. We're going to have to put to death. Some things we're going to have to ignore and suppress because we're now taking on a new leader, a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're following him. And we cannot follow him and follow our own passions at the same time. There's a choice that has to be, that has to be made. And so we think about this denial, what does it look like? Well, self-denial is not denial just for denial's sake. There's a lot of things that we can do that we may even have very good intentions that the Lord is not calling us to do. So we look back through church history and see beginning back in the 4th century that, that monks would often inflict pain upon themselves. This process that, that some people even still do today called self-flagellation where they take a whip and actually beat themselves. Maybe you've seen a movie or a documentary where this is portrayed. This has happened since about the 4th century in the church where people try to, to beat themselves. Well, the Lord is not calling us to suffer for the sake of suffering. And so there's all kinds of things that you could give up that the Lord's not calling you to give up. The Lord doesn't need you to give up. In fact, it may even be a sin and rebellion to give up because it may be that you have those things because there's a gift of God to be used for his glory in the area that he's calling you to. So when you talk about denial, it's not just denial for denial's sake. The goal is not to see how miserable we, we, can, we can make ourselves. The goal is to find everything in our life that's interfering with God's call, everything that's interfering with who 
Jesus is and becoming like him and denying ourselves of those things. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, there's a conversation that's recorded here between the prophet Samuel and the Old Testament king Saul. Saul had a military victory. And in the midst of that victory, he disobeyed the Lord and took spoils that the Lord specifically told him not to take. And then uh, the, the battle's been won, everything's done, and he wants to have this big sacrifice, but some of the men are starting to go home. And so Saul realizes that he's losing his audience as the, the men are dissipating. And he's tired of waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice. And so he offers the sacrifice himself, something that he was not called to do, not authorized to do. He offers the sacrifice, and Samuel comes up, and he, and he finds Saul offering the sacrifice. And the first thing that Samuel does is he confronts Saul about having taken spoil that he was not supposed to take. The Lord told him, don't take any living thing. And, and so Saul comes, Samuel comes up to Saul, and he says, he says, he says, why have you done this? And Saul says, well, I just did what the Lord told me to do. Samuel says, so then what's this bleeding I hear, talking about the sound of the animals? So why did I hear all these animals that you weren't supposed to take? And then Saul tries to spiritualize his rebellion. He says, well, I only took the animals so that I could offer them as sacrifice. And that brings us to this verse, verse 22. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. And listen to this. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Saul the, had offered a sacrifice and Samuel says, Saul, it's better to do what you're supposed to do than to offer a sacrifice that you weren't supposed to offer. So when we think about this idea of denial, there's all kinds of things that you could give up and you could sacrifice for the Lord. But obedience is better than sacrifice. If God is not calling you to give it up, there's, there's just no reason to, to give it up. And so when you think about this idea of self-denial, it's not self-denial for denial's sake. But we need to deny ourselves anything that conflicts with Christ's call on our lives. So what does it look like? Well, first, self-denial often includes the denial of worldly pleasures. There's a lot of things in this world that are very desirable and very pleasurable that are in complete contradiction to God's will for our life. And so 1 John 2.16, listen to what he says. He says, for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. In James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he said, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, those two passages describe two very different things. John tells us that there's so much in the world that is bad. It's not from God. It may be pleasurable. It may be desirable. 
but it's also sinful. And those things, we have to deny ourselves. And yet every good thing in the world, as James tells us, is a gift from God. And so this act of self-denial, when Jesus said, if anyone should come after me, let him deny himself. We're to deny ourselves the things that contradict with God's will for our life. We're to deny ourselves worldly pleasures that are not from God for the very purpose, not of just denying ourselves, but for the purpose of receiving what the Lord has in store for us. Self-denial often includes the denial of good things for the sake of great things. Listen to Acts chapter 16. This is the Bible describes Paul in his ministry in the early church. It says in verse 6, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, Paul is a missionary, and he has assembled a team of missionaries. And their whole purpose is to spread the word throughout the world. You remember the Great Commission that the Lord had given him and us to uh, go into all the world? And so that's their calling. And yet the Bible says that they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Not because God didn't intend for the word to go to Asia. God just had something else for Paul and his team at that moment. And so when we commit our lives to following Christ, sometimes there are things that aren't even bad. They're not sinful. They're good things. They're just things that God has for somebody else. So surrendering to the Lord and following him means being sensitive to know what God is calling you to do. Next verse, it says, And when they came to Mycenae, they attempted to, to go into Bithynia, listen to this, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, if you're a missionary and your goal is to take a team of missionaries and to spread the gospel all over the world, it might be a little frustrating when the Spirit of God himself is keeping you out of areas, but that's exactly what God was doing. The Bible says so. The Spirit forbid them to go to Asia. The Spirit kept them out of Bithynia. So listen what happens. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. Here's why. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Nothing wrong with going to Asia unless God is calling you somewhere else. Nothing wrong with going to Mycenae unless God is calling you somewhere else. And you can take that same lesson and look at all these areas of your life. There may be many things that are good things, godly things. But God just has someone else to call into that area. And so complete surrender involves not telling the Lord where you're going to go and what you're going to do, but coming with this attitude of saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. Jesus said in verse 23, 
if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and listen to this, take up his cross daily, daily. I want you to notice that word daily. Jesus said this was something that we were going to have to constantly do. We were going to have to do it daily, every day. That's why I included this passage in this series about habits. Because surrender is not something that you do once in your life. It's not an event. There's maybe a time in your life previously that with all sincerity, you said, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life. Uh, if you want me to love my, my horrible neighbor, I'll love my horrible neighbor. If you want me to go to the nursing home every week, and wh whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. it. may have been a time in your life that you were totally, completely surrendered, but that doesn't mean that you're surrendered today. Because what happens is we get saved is we take on a new nature, but we still have the old nature. And it doesn't go down easy. And it's constantly looking for a foothold in our life. It's constantly looking to try to regain some lost area. And so we're constantly under temptation to take back areas that we've surrendered to the Lord. And so what happens is there might have even been a season in your life that you were incredibly faithful. The Lord called you to all kinds of areas of service and you served with all your heart. But now, now, you're going to tell the Lord how and when you're going to serve. And uh, Lord, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. I've already done my time. Have you ever felt that way? You feel like you just, you've, you've done your time, you've done your duty, and it's just time for somebody else to do that? Yeah. Well, uh, you're still alive, so uh, you haven't done your time yet. I believe as long as we're on this earth, God still has a place for us and a calling for us. In fact, the Bible says, to whom much has been given, much will be required. And many of us have been given an awful lot of experience, an awful lot of teaching, and we know so much more than we did when we were younger and ser serving the Lord then. How much more should we now say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll serve. Jesus said we must take up our cross daily. Now, in the first century, when Jesus said that, everyone knew the reason someone would take up the cross. There's only one reason, that's to be crucified. Jesus is talking about putting something to death. And so we have to put to death our old way of life. Ephesians describes this in Ephesians 4.22. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The Bible says here that following Christ involves putting off the old self and taking on this new person. This is the, the death that must take place in our life and it has to take place constantly as we find the old nature rising up, tempting us to do things that we've already given up. We must constantly put it to death. And that's why this is a daily thing. So we must put to death our old way of life. We must put to death our sinful nature. You see, the Bible teaches us that whenever Adam and Eve sinned, they all took on a sinful nature and they passed it to every single one of us. We all have it. We all enjoy sin. I mean, if sin was misery, none of us would be enticed to it, would we? 
We all enjoy seeing you. I mean, you ever enjoy seeing some really good, juicy gossip? Most of you have. Even if we haven't, we've been tempted to because we have a sinful nature. We're, we're drawn to sin like a moth to a flame. And if we're going to follow Christ, we, we've got to put that to death. That's, that's what it means to take up our cross. It, it means that we're constantly trying to put that to death in our life. And so Romans chapter 6, it describes this process. It says in Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So here's that concluding thought for that passage. It says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. We have to consider ourselves dead to sin. We, we take up the cross, as Jesus said, daily, daily. It's an ongoing process in our life. And Paul would describe his difficulty with this. Maybe you have some sin that you struggle with. Maybe you have some, some calling in your life that, that you're not sure about. Maybe you're a little afraid that God might call you to do something that, that you don't want to do. Paul struggled as well. He describes it in Romans chapter 7. Here's what he says. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Friend, if the Apostle Paul, who God used to spread the gospel throughout the Gentiles and write 13 books of the New Testament, in the middle of his ministry was still facing a battle of trying to put to death the old self, then you and I should not be surprised that we too still have a battle of putting to death the old self. That's why it's a daily thing. You don't take up your cross once when you're young and then you're done with it. You take up your cross daily, daily. And so when we see the old self rising up, and it will if you don't suppress it, we put it to death daily. And then we follow the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow me. I, I once uh, heard an Australian music artist he was in an interview on the radio. And it's been about 20 years ago. And, and he said something that kind of caught the, the interviewer off guard. Uh, he said, well, he said in Australia, I, I, don't, I don't say that I'm a Christian. I just don't use that, that language. And the interviewer said, 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 what, wait, so what do you mean you don't say that you're a Christian? He said, you're a Christian music artist. He said, yeah. I, I said, I know. And he said, I am. 
He said, but I just don't say that in Australia. He said, well, he said why wouldn't you say that in Australia? He says, people don't know what it means. He said, everybody thinks that they're a Christian just because they believe Jesus exists or they went to church sometime. So he said, I tell people that I'm a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ. You know what it means to follow? It means to let him lead. It means to let him be in control. It means that he decides where we go and what we do. Surrender means allowing Jesus to be the leader. You know, even Jesus' own disciples struggled with this from time to time. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, listen what it describes here. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So Jesus was plainly telling them what had to happen. And then in verse 22, it says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever rebuked the Lord? And Peter did. Peter took Jesus aside and he said, you know, this is just not going to happen. You can just stop talking like this. You say, well, I, I, I would never do that. Well, when we read in the scripture and the scripture says, don't do this. And we say, well, I'm not going to obey that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Isn't it the same thing? And when you hear we need to surrender our life and go wherever God calls us to go and do whatever God wants us to do, and you say, well, I'm willing to do this, but I'm not willing to do that. Well, what if the Lord calls you to do that instead of this? Peter took the Lord aside and he, he rebuked him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. P Peter meant well. Peter meant well. Obedience is better than sacrifice and obedience is better than superior intelligence too we don't know better than the lord we need to listen to him but he turned and he said to peter get behind me satan for you're a hindrance to me for you're not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man peter was confused about who the leader was and he wanted to manage Jesus, much like a, a political campaign manager will manage their candidates. And he said, Jesus, you got to stop talking like this. Don't, you're not, this is not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen. And Jesus says, Peter, you don't, you don't understand. Following Jesus means letting him be the leader. Following Jesus means not even questioning him as a leader. Peter would later be restored. We, we know that when Jesus was taken for trial, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? But yet later, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, and Peter and Jesus had the conversation around the fire. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, of course I do, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. He was calling him back into service. He was reinstating him. Jesus knew before Peter ever failed that he would fail, but he also knew that he would return back. And so he still had a place for him in ministry. But listen to the conversation that Peter and Jesus would have. John 21, verse 18. 
Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, in case we're not sure what he means by that, the Bible clarifies it. It says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. The Lord told Peter, you're going to be crucified. Peter knew what Jesus was saying. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's, that's John, following them. The one who had leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter, in that moment, as Jesus told him he was going to be crucified, perhaps it was a sense of unfairness, perhaps it was envy, but he looked back at John and he said, Jesus, what about him? Is he going to be crucified too? But Jesus said, Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. And Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, daily, not, not once, but daily, and follow me. I, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you can honestly say that today you're closer to the Lord than you've ever been. But here's how we get close. It's not about the amount of work that we do. It's not about the size of our sacrifice. It's about the attitude of our heart that says, here, my Lord, send me. I'll give up whatever sin you want me to give up. Just show me. I'll take on whatever calling you want me to take on. I'll love people that are hard to love. I'll serve people that are hard to serve. Whatever you want me to do, Lord. And when you, when you take on that attitude of surrender, that's when you're ready to follow. Now, there's some irony here. John, as far as we know in Scripture, is the only disciple that stayed with Jesus right to the end. He was there during the whole trial. He was there at the crucifixion. And yet John, the one who put himself at most risk and was most ready to die, was the one that lived to be an old man. All the other disciples, according to church history, were martyred. Peter would be crucified upside down. The Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but I've seen throughout uh, all my time in service with different people that those who are most willing to do anything often get the easy task. And it's those that put up the biggest fight that sometimes get called to the hardest things. But whether easy or hard or far or near, surrender means saying, Lord, here am I. Use me however you desire. Let's pray together.
Father, help us not to seek our own will and our own passions, but yours. I pray that every area of our life would be surrendered. Give us a desire today to look into our heart with honesty and to recognize everything that is not like your son. May we conform our will to his. Lord, I pray today that it would be our desire to follow the Lord Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, following Jesus begins with the first step of putting your faith and your trust in him. You see, the whole reason that Jesus died was so that you and I could be forgiven. He died to give us a hope, a reason to live, a purpose for living. But everything that he did for us, it's offered as a gift, and we have to decide whether we'll receive it or not. So if you're here today and you've, you've never put your faith in the Lord, you've never decided to trust in him, then as we sing, I want to invite you to pray and call on the Lord. The Bible says if we'll just ask, we can receive the gift of eternal life. But we must ask in faith without any doubting, believing that he has secured it for us and he offers it to us. If you're here today and there was a time in your life that you surrendered to the Lord, praise the Lord. But it's a daily thing. Jesus said that we must take up our cross daily, daily. So the question is not what have you done for the Lord in the past, but what are you willing to do today? That's what surrender looks like. When you say, Lord, here I am, use me. So as we sing, I want to ask you, would you just evaluate your heart? Be honest. Uh, I'm not, we're not going to ask anybody to write anything down. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. So you might as well be honest. It's just you and God, and he already knows your thoughts and the condition of your heart. Let's just examine your heart and say, Lord, is there some area that I've not surrendered and not been willing to? And then just say, Lord, I give that to you. Whether it's a sin you need to battle or whether it's a calling you need to take on. So let's respond to the Lord as we sing together. Let's stand.